This is Pod Populi, podcast for the people. Hi, my name is Dr. Sarah Adams. I am a board-certified pediatrician, but I'm not your pediatrician. Feel free to use my podcast as helpful information, but in no way do I intend my podcast to replace the advice of your physician. Your physician knows you and is in the best position to provide medical advice. Hello and welcome to Growing Up with Dr. Sarah. Today, my guest is Ben Adams, who I've had on the show before, and many of you may or may not know that he is also my son. What I like, well, of course, what I love about Ben is that he, in addition to going to undergraduate school, went and got his master's in athletic training. And I get a lot of sports participation questions. So I asked him, I said, let's talk about sports participation in general, but more specifically, what parents should or shouldn't think about when they are considering what we call sports specialization. So welcome, Ben. Thank you. Thank you for having me back. Why don't we start with the definition of sports specialization. So right off the bat, we can figure out like what we're talking about here. Yeah. So right off the bat, sports specialization is year round training, uh, typically greater than an eight month period that focuses on a single sport uh, at the exclusion of other sports. Um, It's essentially the concept of quitting other sports in other seasons to focus on one singular sport training year round Um, going to showcases, participating in other leagues, for example, basketball, AAU teams, um, recruiting showcases or baseball, playing uh, two travel teams every year, or even tennis or soccer, um, playing in the fall and spring, or even indoor leagues. Why do you think some families want their child to just stick with one sport and at what age do you tend to notice this starting to happen yeah so i'll give you a little more context um sports specialization in youth sports has become more common because parents and families um or even the athletes themselves want to successfully complete compete at elite levels uh, such as Division One, Division Two, any collegiate program, or even at the next level for professional sports. The age that this is most common would be um, youth to adolescent, so early middle school through high school is where it's most common, and that's where you start to see after that experimental phase of trying out different sports, seeing what they like, Um, then you start to see them start to narrow it down as they get to early high school of what sport they want to specialize in. So it would seem to me, though, if somebody, you know, specifically youth or adolescent wanted to get really good at one particular sport with the idea 
of going on and playing college or even professionally that that's what they should do. So explain to me why the research really discourages it. That's a great question Um, because in theory that sounds like the best idea. You have one sport and you focus on that sport. If you train in that sport, you're going to get really good at it and you're going to get a scholarship and you're going to go play professional leagues, whatever. That is a, in theory, a, it makes sense, but there's research now that suggests that it poses a potential risk for short and long-term health. Um, For example, some of the big things are that it can cause physical and psychological burnout um, due to pressure put on parents and family and coaches. Uh, it increases volume. The increased volumes increase risk of injury, uh, especially chronic injury, so overuse, um, not acute injury like um, like we talked about before, concussions. It's more the um, long-term injuries, tendonitis. Um, another example would be a torn UCL in a baseball player or um, chronic meniscus tears and shoulders and knees for basketball players. But, and I would imagine that some of those things that you mentioned, yes, maybe you can fix it a rehab, but some of those things you can rehab, but then as soon as you go back to the activity that's causing the overuse, it, it really does become more of a chronic thing that's harder to treat or get rid of completely for sure so i'll go back to the baseball example in the um kind of noting that if you play baseball year round let's take a pitcher for example you if you are pitching year round on different teams the amount of stress you're placing on your body more specifically your shoulder elbow wrist um being on the mound so often that over time doing that motion over and over repetitively it's repetitively it's going to break down some of the tissue in your body and you know what's interesting too um not just overuse but i see like i'll give you an example i had a patient whose mom really wanted to get like a full evaluation labs all these things and um her child was a runner her teen was a runner and she was like she's not performing you know at the ability that she normally is she's really tired she's fatigued and and we did do a bunch of tests and everything was normal and I started to question if this teen was still really into it I think Quite honestly, she was feeling quite a bit of anxiety and the burnout that you meant, both physical and psychological, like you said, I think. And she just also didn't know how to express to her family, look, I I need a break. So I've, I've seen that in my practice. And in some ways, it for me, as you know, because I get to know these families so well, it kind of breaks my heart because she really is a good runner. And I feel like she probably could have run in college, for, for sure. example, but she just couldn't do it anymore. For sure. That's a great example, too. 
I don't have that much firsthand experience on this topic because I didn't spend that much time at the high school level, but I do see these things secondhand at the college level. Um, for example, when I worked with college basketball, one of our best players came to me one day and said, I hate basketball. I'm just good at it. And that really stuck with me. But her, a little more on her story, she, her father was, um, had her specialized in high school uh, training in basketball year-round. And she was one of our best players, but you could just see the physical and emotional burnout just as a freshman in college. So just I, you can't help but think about what that's going to look like in two, three years if she even really wants to play anymore. Um, and at the same time was also one of the most injury-prone people on the team. So that's just, again, I, I haven't seen much firsthand at the high school level of kids kind of falling out of other sports and leaning into one, but I have seen the product of it at the college level. And, um, yeah, it's just the burnout is, is palpable. Well, and if you don't mind me sharing even your, your own story, you had decided I'm going to really focus on football the last few years of high school and, pretty much, I mean, did the conditioning year round, etc. But you had your own injuries to the point where it got to, you got to college and you were like, my body just can't do this anymore. You know, and as a parent, I mean, I get it. You know, when we see talent in our own children, when we see that drive, you know, and it, it also comes down to, you know, we don't, it's hard for kids to find the activities that they like to do. And when they, when we find one that they do and, you know, we want them to stick with it and do their best. And I, I'll admit I was a little disappointed. I think I, it would have been fun to watch you play in college at whatever level. And, but I think too, parents need to realize that, you know, you were just a kid Mm -hmm. And you wanted to go to college and study and be a student and do the fun things that college students get to experience. Sure. And you probably wouldn't have, you know, had the same experience had you decided to go on and Absolutely. play. I wouldn't change anything about that. Um, at the college level, they, those athletes don't get to experience as much. I mean, yeah, they have they have fun, but... They, their time is so occupied that they don't get some of the same experiences as people that aren't athletes do. Especially free time for themselves to <laughs> kind of decompress and calm down and kind of get away from the madness of college athletics. And, and not, we're not saying that it's not a great idea. We're just saying, you know, what... Basically, I'm hoping at the end of this, what families will get out of it is what the benefits. And I think this is a good segue um, into kind of our next thought process is what is the advantage of doing multi-sports? It doesn't mean that they still can't specialize as they get older, but as a youth or teen, it's actually beneficial for them and the studies have shown that so let's talk a little bit about that so you will see people that do go 
Division One and play at this high level, you'll see them kind of start to specialize later on. They will, and you see it more so after they make the commitment to play that college sport. Um, but specialization doesn't mean just playing one sport. It means playing one sport and doing it year round. Mm -hmm. So that's not me saying, um, Hey, do more than one sport, play four sports. Just don't overtrain yourself in that one sport year round. Um, you got to give yourself time to get active rest and decompress after certain points of the season. But there's a ton of benefits to multi-sport participation. Um, According to an article that I read earlier today, the activity improves immediate overall health. Um, There's a biological carryover into adulthood with active children having better cardiovascular and bone health as adults. Yeah, that's Um, true. There seems to be a behavioral carryover into adulthood where active children are more likely to be active adults. So even past their athletic careers, they're more ath- more likely to maintain um, these active lifestyles. Yeah, and I mean, did and when we had a chance to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what we we're going to talk about today, right? Uh, we were talking about athletes that we know, high achievers um, that also did multiple sports. So, I mean, we could, we could look back at some of, you know, these big time athletes in professional sports and find out that they actually did when they were in adolescence, you know, played, you know, other sports because didn't, didn't LeBron even play football? (laughs) Yeah. LeBron played football, ran track. Um, Now, again, that was, was towards his junior and senior year. He started to primarily focus on basketball, but that was, you know, when, he knew he was going to be – That's he's an anomaly. He knew he was going to be the best player in the world. So um, it, that – but even then, these big-time athletes were all multi-sport athletes. If you look, look at Olympic uh, competitors, a lot of them played multiple sports in their youth. There's a study of NBA players who were drafted um, from first round from 2008 to 2015. Players who were multi-sport athletes in high school – were less likely to sustain a major injury um, than those who focused on basketball alone. Also, NBA athletes with a history of multiple sport participation during high school, they demonstrated greater longevity and higher percentages of total games played in the NBA um, than NBA athletes who pursued only basketball. So there's physical evidence that playing multiple sports year round can go such a long way. Um, and you might ask too, how do volumes change if like, how do you get injured playing one sport year round and not so much playing multiple sports year round? Yeah, that's a good question. The, what the difference is in each one of those sports, you're using your body in a different way. There's different mechanics, different muscle demands. Um, Football, you're doing a lot of running, jumping, cutting. Baseball, throwing, running. Um, basketball, more jumping and running. So, but and less. Uh, I mean, you're using your upper extremities, but in the open space, if that makes sense. So, 
the demands on your body change as you change these positions, if that makes sense. Absolutely. I mean, you had mentioned Olympic athletes, and even they are, like, let's say a gymnast is taking dance and ballet, which in and of itself is different. And even in gymnastics, for example, there are multi, they all participate, although they may be achieve a greater level on one certain equipment. Same with skiers. You know, they have they'll try different things and then as they get older find out where their successes are and where they where they lead. I think um you mentioned some athletes. Do you have some other examples? Yeah, so some examples of pro athletes that played multiple sports uh year round. Some big names are Pat Mahomes, uh played baseball as well, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Bo Jackson. Um, probably those are the three probably best quarterbacks of our generation too, and uh, if not athletes. So that's just a testament to even the best. Um, you know, we're multi-sport athletes, and it really paid off for them, I'd say. So what do you think parents should do, or not just parents, but and any athlete? You know, before – I go there, I'm going to backtrack way back, okay? (laughs) And I get a lot of questions about when can we even start, you know? I'm not going to lie, when you were like two years old, we had a little tykes basketball, you know, the little basketball and little basketball hoop, and you would just shoot over and over and over. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we got to get this kid into little dribblers, you know? as It's very normal, I think, for parents to just see the talent in their kids and want to, you know, build that. And we think about even, you know, when do you start that? Well, the American Academy of Pediatrics says absolutely the young kids, and I've talked about the power of playtime, but when we're talking about sport participation, I'm not saying you, sh- you know, there aren't opportunities before six, but six is really kind of, if you're going to draw the line somewhere, that's a really good age because of a couple reasons. One is that they're physically and developmentally ready but the other is also they'll have an, a better understanding of the rules and being a team player and understanding the sport and a lot of the knowledge that goes with that not just physically but mentally so i think you know these thoughts about like oh my kid is a is a natural and they may be but we want to build that and and make sure that they're like not getting burnt out, not getting hurt, enjoying life too as a youth and a teen. And having that variety helps them, like you said, it goes a long way, correct? It absolutely does. So what do you think are some take-home messages here? So right now where this stands – more research needs to be conducted to determine what the appropriate volumes are to reduce injury and burnout. I realize I'm sitting here saying limit volumes, but there isn't a popular consensus that says how much, for example, pitching, like there's a reason there's pitch counts and um, there's a reason why they limit contact and football in the off season and preseason. And um, you progress and build up those numbers, but that's kind of where we stand now in this field is that there needs to be more research conducted on 
you know, what are these volumes? What are these thresholds? Um, I've seen numbers such as 14 hours a week to 18 hours a week. Um, but eight would probably, 18 is a lot of probably higher on the spectrum, but that's just, that's my first call to action. Um, the second would be, you know, to take care of your body or their bodies, keep up with the maintenance program or develop a recovery routine, um, just to enhance the longevity through all these seasons. And the biggest thing is getting active rest once your season's over. And of course, sleep and nutrition goes a long way. And that's, um, a lot of that is on schools and parents, um, to keep up with, you know, the best routes for that. And that's what your school's athletic trainer is for. It's what we do. It's what we're here for. And we can leverage using our unique position to create a path appropriate for athletic development. Yeah. I mean, we used to try to enforce in you and your brother that you were student athletes, students first, athletes second. What do you tell a family who's maybe trying to really go for that scholarship? You know, they want they want that scholarship money in order that maybe that's the only way they can even get into school. Yeah, and that's, that's a good question. Um, I was talking to dad this morning about the topic. He, I told him I was coming on and he said, Oh, what are you guys going to talk about? I said, sports specialization. Um, he goes, what is that? I said, it's, you know, when someone decides to play one sport year round and they want to train to become the best athlete they can to go get a scholarship. And he rolls his eyes. Um, because as a financial planner, he said he sees more parents trying to get their children an athletic scholarship as opposed to saving for college for their kids. And, you know, more often than not, it doesn't work out that way. So um, one of the articles, too, estimated that the U.S. spends $800 million to $5.2 billion, and that's a – looking at that number now, that's quite a range, but um, $800 million to $5.2 billion per that's year huge. on injuries attributed to sports specialization. Wow. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where you were going with that number, you know, is that, like, money that goes towards scholarships. But you're saying that – up to billions mm-hmm. of dollars to pay for injuries. That's surgeries, yeah, uh, physical therapy, rehab. It's just, um, you know, that's per year. So that's not all time. So that's a pretty amazing number. But, you know, just kind of going back to the financial planning aspect of it, now I'm in no position to speak about it. But, Nor am I. <laughs> but I'm just saying that it, that's a better route you know, planning for their future financially as opposed to athletically. Yeah. And doing the best you can with your grades, et cetera. And bottom line too, is to just let kids be kids. Yes. Burnout's essentially another term for depression. If you look it up, it has the same exact sentence. Um, so I think it's important to not turn something they love into something that diminishes their well-being. Yeah. I love that. Let kids be kids. The good news about burnout And this is what I'm trying to, I would like to emphasize as opposed to depression, because you're absolutely right. They're very similar. But the good news and the biggest difference between the two is if you rest, you will feel better. You know, it's, it's really as easy as that. If you take a break, then you know, it's burnout. And when it, and that's why changing it up, not not spending all their youth and their teens 
you know, with their sports specialization, but letting kids be kids. We were talking about the movie. What's the movie about the Williams sisters? Oh, King, the, Richard. King Richard. Yeah. I, I'm telling you, it was very fascinating to learn the story. And they, I mean, historically are going to go down as, you know, the mm-hmm. best female, if not the best tennis players of all time. Yes. And he was very adamant about making sure they didn't train too much and having family time, Mm -hmm. fun time. So if you haven't seen that movie, I mean, there were some scenes that seemed very uncomfortable, but in the end, it really turned out well for them. And so I think that there is a way if you see a talent in your child specifically, there's a way, but let's make sure that we're letting them be kids and let's make sure that we're doing it to prevent injuries and burnout and all the things that you mentioned, right? Exactly. And that gives them that gives them the opportunity to build intrinsic motivation to be great and work at the craft. Um as opposed to when they get burnt out, all their motivation comes externally from family and coaches and friends. And, you know, that's not going to push them to, you know, get that scholarship. Um, yeah, that's a really good point because if it gets, yeah, that intrinsic versus extrinsic mm-hmm. and in anything you do in life, mm-hmm. it's a good lesson, right? Yeah. And so I will, I'll add to, um, what parents can do is communicate, communicate with their kids if they are specializing um, or they are playing four or five sports. You know, you can talk to them, especially in that early high school, late middle school is a good time to be like, you know, what are you thinking? Like what what's working? What what are you enjoying? Um, so I think it's important to you can cut out what's necessary, but, um, you know, if they are specializing, just communicate, make sure they're, you know, in a good headspace. Yeah. So that's great advice. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much. Yeah, you. I think this is such an important topic and not something that people really think about or talk about. So I really hope that it helped the it's audience. Definitely not. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I just want to thank Ben again, and I want to thank all the listeners for always, you know, for your support and, Just don't forget to follow me wherever you listen to your shows like um, Spotify or Apple Podcast. And this is just another example of growing up together.